0: Hello, I'm Brandon Martini, a commercial pilot and flight instructor.
1: And I'm Carson Vasquez. I'm a private pilot.
0: And you're listening to the Aviation Mentors Podcast, sponsored by Stratus Financial.
1: So buckle up, because the Aviation Mentors are taking off.
0: So today we've got quite a few things we're going to talk about. Uh, We're actually going to talk about the 15 things to do as a private pilot, or after you get your certificate. Um, I've done almost all of these things, and I think Carson has too. Uh, so we're just going to kind of jump right in and talk about those 15 things. And number one is getting checked out in new airplanes. Um, getting checked on a new airplane is a great way to to learn a new skill as a pilot or, or even as an individual. I mean, you probably remember the first time you got into an airplane or like a 172 or a Cherokee or light sport or whatever you may be flying or you started out flying. Well, sometimes when you jump into another airplane, it's going to feel very, very different. And then, as you progress in your in your pilot journey or your aviation journey, certain airplanes are going to feel very much the same and and not be challenging. But some will be challenging. So, um, I know that when I first transitioned to an aero or um, or something like that, it definitely definitely took me a little bit of time to get used to it. And I'll tell you this, I almost got checked out in an airplane a few days ago. Um, I went to go see one of my, my friends, Eric farewell. Uh, he owns aviator paramotor, uh, in Florida, great company, great guy. And, uh, we ended up taking one of his airplanes out. I asked him if we can go take his RV six out, uh, which is an experimental plane. And it was just a total blast to fly. Um, it's a tailwheel. I don't have that much tailwheel experience. I only have about 50 hours of tailwheel. So, uh, it was challenging for me, and needless to say, I figured, like most airplanes, I can just check out, get checked out in like an hour, and be no big deal. And it kind of humbled me. I think I needed probably three or four flights for that particular airplane, which is not that many for me. It might be, might be, more for some people, might be less for others. Uh, but it was, it was a really cool experience, and I've gotten checked out in a ton of airplanes, and I really love getting checked out in every single new one. I think I've flown almost fifty different types of planes now. And every single one is a new challenge and fun for different reasons. But so Carson, have you gotten checked out in any other airplanes? I think you did your private pilot in a in a one seventy two. Is that right?
1: Yeah, yeah, I did it in a one seventy two, and I haven't had the uh, the pleasure to get checked out in all the cool ones you have. But I have gotten checked out in plenty of trainer airplanes that you know a lot of people fly day to day. And I did all my training in a one seventy two, and I kind of after I got my private pilot wanted to find out what these low wings were all about. I'd seen them all over the airport, just hadn't had the chance to fly in one. You only had about 45 hours at that point. And uh, next time I I went to the flight school, I got checked out in the Cherokee 160. So I started flying the Warrior. And that actually led me to become a really big fan of low wings. Um, It's not a huge difference between high and low wings. So after I got checked out in it, I started flying them all the time. And that actually led me to what we're going to talk about next?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So number two on our list of fifteen things to do as a private pilot is get your complex endorsement. Uh, I think it's a great, great thing to get for a multitude of reasons. One, it opens up the world of a bunch of different airplanes, uh, and it's not that challenging. But there are some new systems you have to you have to learn. Uh, You have to learn how to use a landing gear, you have to be able to learn how to use retractable flaps, and you have to learn how to uh, use a constant speed propeller. So those are the three things that constitute a complex airplane. By the way, if an airplane does not have all three of those things, you do not consider it complex. So did you know that, Carson?
1: Yeah, I did. Actually, it was one of the first things that you uh, you drilled into my head as soon as we started my complex training. Good,
0: good. I was a decent <laughs> teacher back then. I like it. Perfect. Uh, so what you said uh, you got checked on a complex airplane. Which airplane did you get checked out in?
1: I started flying the Piper Aero uh, three weeks after I got my private. And within a week, I had finished my 10-hour requirement to get the, uh, the checkout and the complex endorsement in the plane. And I started flying that thing all the time. I think within two months, I put on 25 hours in it. I uh, I really love that's it.
0: way cool. <laughs> um, just just to let everyone know, the complex endorsement doesn't really require a certain set of hours, but a lot of insurance companies do. So when Carson said it took him ten hours, it's because the insurance company uh, made him take ten hours. Now, if it could have taken him less for him to get the endorsement, it could have taken him more. It kind of depends on everybody. Some airplanes are going to be easier for you to get, and some and some are going to be a little bit harder. Uh, but uh, I actually also got my my complex in an arrow. Uh, mine didn't have a fancy glass cockpit like the one that you got to do yours in but uh complex endorsement <laughs> yeah you were lucky that's for sure but a complex endorsement is a great way not only to kind of learn new skills but also you have to time build for certain other ratings if you want to do that as well so you might as well get some other endorsements along the way complex happens to be one of them
1: and i think i really became a better pilot after getting my complex endorsement you know it really taught me to control multiple things going on at once i had to think about the gear in addition to everything else that you typically think about in a landing. And it was a low wing airplane as well. So I had to get used to switching the fuel tanks. So just overall, it made me more focused on what I was doing, gave me less time to, to think about other things and just made me really focus on what I do. I think it transferred to most of my landings that I made afterwards. Yeah,
0: I know. I, I use my checklist and then I use also a secondary mental checklist called the Gump's checklist. And it's a uh, gas, undercarriage, mixture, uh, propellers, and then safety belts and switches. So I say that on every single airplane I fly now, no matter what in my own head, and I check that gear actually on every turn in the pattern, believe it or not. So if I turn uh, base, check the gears down. If I turn final, check the gears down. If I check short final, the gear is down. And right before I touch down, guess what? I'm checking the gears down. Um, so it's something and and I even do that in a 172 uh, that doesn't have retractable landing gear. I
1: was, I was just yeah, about to I say down
0: there. and welded and I'll say it on every turn still. And it's just a good habit to stay in, especially if you fly different types of airplanes. So, uh, the next thing we're going to talk about is number three on the 15 things, things to do as a private pilot. And that one happens to be just going to brand new airports for the new experience. So, uh, what's, if, what's kind of one of the first airports you flew to Carson as, as, as As you got your private pilot?
1: Well, one of my best friends had gotten his CFI rating the same day I got my private pilot. So we took his plane on a celebratory journey and uh, we we flew to Chandler, Arizona, where it's something that neither of us had been to. And it was a really fun airport to go fly into. And right near all the Phoenix airspace, there was a lot extra going on and made it challenging. But we, I I really, through my training, had learned how to flight plan so I looked at this airport. I looked at the path I was taking. I mapped it out on ForeFlight and on a paper chart because as the new CFI I wanted and um, I really just went through it all and got me confident in my flight planning abilities and my abilities to go fly into an airport and find out that it's not that much different than, than my home airport.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I love going to new airports. I still love going to new airports just because you never know who you're going to meet, whether it's in the middle of the country or just 50 miles away or or five miles away. I love going to new airports for the experience of what it's like to land there and to meet the people in the FBOs or or meet the people in the restaurants or whatever it may be. Um, I absolutely love that. I think one of the first airports I went to as a private pilot was probably Palomar. Uh, CRQ in Southern California. And that was the first, I think one of the first ones I went to just as a private pilot, I liked going to different, different uh, airports for different reasons, but that actually brings up the reason we're going to go to number four on things to do as a private pilot. And that is getting the hundred dollar hamburger. Everyone says a hundred dollar hamburger. It's probably more like a $500 hamburger nowadays, or kind of depends on where you live might still be a hundred dollar hamburger, but it's that that flying to different airports to go to their restaurant. I mean, everybody has to have a mission when they go fly, right? It could be for training. It could be for landing practice. It could be for taking out your friends sightseeing, um, or your family sightseeing or, or something like that. But for me, it's normally involves with food. So I want to take my friends and family. I don't want to go somewhere and let's go have dinner or go have lunch or something. So um, Palomar, uh, I actually went there and they actually have this really cool uh, ceiling and that ceiling actually is painted blue, like the sky and they've got clouds and little airplanes flying. And I just remember looking up at it kind of in awe while I was eating and it was just a really neat place. So I love going to different places for that hundred dollar hamburger or I don't know. I've flown to Texas before and there's barbecue restaurants that are world-class barbecue restaurants, either at airports or right outside of them. Um, I went to an airport one time where there was a casino right next to it. So you literally land there, a casino picks you up and you can go get food and go gamble. And then you can come back, they'll drop you off the airport in an hour. It's just, there's different places to go get that hundred dollar hamburger. But uh, Carson, have you ever went and did the hundred dollar hamburger run?
1: That's how I started flying. Uh, I'd fly to French Valley to go get a $100 hamburger. And I think one of my favorite times is uh, one of the times we went to go get a $100 hamburger and it being, I think, $1,000 ribs. But it was, uh, we, <laughs> we'd taken the Duchess going somewhere up north. And we, we came back. And on the way back down, we stopped at, I want to say it was uh, like a dairy or butcher shop.
0: Harris um, Ranch.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: They have, they have one of the the best little baby airports. I think the runway is like, I don't know, 40 feet wide or something very, very small. And the runway is less than 2000 feet long. And it's right next to a highway on a ranch with a, an amazing restaurant that serves world-class steaks. Uh, so it's definitely a place to go. And that was, yeah, way more than a hundred dollars for that hamburger there. For one, we took a multi and, uh, number two, (laughs) yeah, number two, it was, uh, It's not cheap to eat that steakhouse either. So, but we did do some single engine stuff on the way back home uh, for training. So we did turn off one engine. So we, for, I don't know, maybe five or 10 minutes uh, training. So I, I guess during that time we saved a little bit of fuel.
1: We did. And it counted flight training. So double counted.
0: Exactly. So, uh, so the next thing we're going to talk about on 15 things to do as a private pilot is number five, and that is joining your local EAA chapter. So we've been talking about flying in different airplanes and doing different things like that, but but getting involved with your community is huge. Um, I think that most people in this industry, the only reason why they make it to the high success levels that they do is because they're willing to go out there and network. Now, it's one thing if you just want to be an airline pilot and you want to get to an airline and you want this, the steady stability of that job. I think that's fantastic and it's very worthy goal. Um, And it's it's difficult in its own ways. But if you want a different path in aviation, like flying corporate jets or or doing aerial firefighting or something like that, you have to go a different route. And that different route is going and talking to um, all the people in your community and meeting all the local people. And EAA is the Experimental Aircraft Association. Um, I'm a lifetime member. Carson, I believe you're a member as well. Um, they're the ones who put on uh, EAA Air Venture every year, and people sometimes call that Oshkosh, uh, which Carson and I went to uh, this year together. And they have an amazing program for children where they do uh, free flights for children. They even do some things uh, that are free flights for adults. And you can donate your time to do those flights for people. Um, and then on top of that, you can, you can learn about airplanes and talk airplanes. And sometimes you'll get It offers to go on really, really cool airplanes because of it. Uh, And if you like mechanics or you're taking a mechanic route, there's a lot of mechanics that hang out there too. And you can go that route as well. Um, So those are some things from my perspective that I really like about EAA. And uh, we actually have an EAA chapter one in our backyard here at Riverside. So uh, the uh, past president, he was a president for a long time, Mr. Jim O'Brien. He's kind of, I consider him our favorite local airport bum even though he works a full-time job, but he hangs out uh, in our offices every once in a while. And uh, he's a great guy to uh, to meet, and he spreads aviation like wildfire. It's amazing. So he's one of the real big reasons why I love EAA. I mean, those people that you get to be around. So how about you, Carson? Uh, what did you really like about EAA and, and being a member?
1: Well, I was actually going back through um, some old memories after I'd got my license. And mom sent sending me some, some pictures of me as a kid. And one of the things that we'd found is I had actually done a young Eagles flight as a, as a boy scout, No way. um, over at chapter one. Yeah. And I had been in the, uh, the Ray Stits hanger and I had actually met Jim. I remembered when I met Jim. Um, he, you know, looked pretty much the same.
0: He's quite unforgettable.
1: <laughs> he definitely is. And, uh, for a group of kids, he made an impression. That's for sure. I mean, that's <laughs> what it was it's was Yeah, it was a wonderful experience. It was something I remember going home and talking to my parents about. Um, only to find out a couple years later I'm I'm back in it and doing the same thing.
0: You know, if we tell Jim O'Brien that you're the reason why you're so into aviation, he's gonna just kind of have like a heart attack and uh he's not gonna be able to stand it, right? That he met you as (laughs) a child.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
0: So I think I think we need to have him on the podcast one day and tell him that story uh and surprise him with it. Um unless he listens, which I think he does now and it's So he might already hear this, but still, Jim, it's going to be an awesome experience having you on one day. Uh, So that brings us to the next item on our 15 things to do as a private pilot, um, which I've actually done with EAA chapter one, and I've done it with, with friends and family as well. And that is airplane camping. Uh, No one really puts the two together, right? Everyone thinks so off-roading and camping. Well, there's such thing as airplane camping. And locally in Southern California, we have two really cool places to go. uh, Oceano. Uh, which is right on the beach. It's near Pismo. And then we have Kern, uh, which is in the mountains. And you can't really go there in the really hot part of summer, but the rest of the year is amazing. And it's in the city of Kernville. And they've got a stream and a river going through. And you can go fishing. And it's a, like a fly fishing capital in Southern California. It's in the middle of the mountains. It has a beautiful approach with a lake that you fly over it's really quite amazing. And Carson, I think you've been camping a couple times um, at Kern or Oceana. I'm not sure which one, um, but what were your, kind of your favorite things about, about airplane camping?
1: I think the coolest thing is going to Kern Valley and at nighttime, you no, know, it's quite literally in a valley, can't fly into it at night. So the airport pretty much shuts down. So I was actually lucky enough um, at the time that we flew flown in, no one else was flying in airport was closed and we actually walked the walked the runway at night and we got down to the numbers, took some cool pictures by it. Uh, that was a pretty cool experience, but also getting to watch everyone else fly in and just land park right next to you, set up their tents by their planes and just spend your time around a bunch of people that also love air, uh, aviation and airplanes just as much as you do.
0: That is, it is really special, especially when you're watching your friends land and and uh, sometimes I wish I had, like, a scoreboard number that I can, like, throw up um, and uh, and put up a number. So, uh, and it like gets windy there, too. Russia. So, sometimes it's not the best landings, either. But uh, as long as they're safe, they're okay with me. Uh, a, a good landing is uh, one that you can walk away from, and a great one is where you can use the airplane again. At least that's my model. That's
1: why you always say I have good
0: landings, huh? Exactly. No, they're, they're great <laughs> most of the time. We use the airplane after. So... <laughs> Our next item is number seven on the 15 things to do as a private pilot, and that is angel flights. Um, I personally have never done an angel flight, but I've met very, very many uh, pilots who have done angel flights, and they do quite a bit for aviation and for people. Carson, do you want to tell uh, everyone a little bit about what an angel flight is? And I'm not sure if you've done one or not, but if you haven't, um, is that something you're interested in?
1: Yeah, I'd absolutely love to do it. Um, haven't gotten the chance to do it yet, but a lot of what you do is just volunteering your time and your airplane for people that either need to fly for um, some sort of surgery or, or medical thing that the expense for traveling they just they can't quite do it. Um, so a lot of people do that, or bring family to go see other family, you know, that that are in medical need or um, some sort of emergency, and it's really just donating your time. Um, to, to this charity really. And as a private pilot, you're actually able to do this. And I think it's a really cool experience and opportunity. Uh, and one that a lot of people should take advantage of, especially considering how many pilots they really need for this program.
0: Absolutely. And I know that angel flights and other programs similar to that, they sometimes have a little bit higher hour requirements because they don't want a brand new private pilot taking somebody who, who might have cancer or on chemo to, to their destination. They want somebody to have a little bit more experience. So sometimes it it takes you a little longer before you can do these, um, but I know a lot of people that think it's very rewarding, um, and that kind of brings us on to number eight of the fifteen things to do as a private pilot. And number eight is an organization called Pilots and Paws. Um, again, I haven't uh, done anything with this organization, but I've heard lots of great things. I know a lot of people that have have flown um, our little little furry friends around the U.S. and uh, they move dogs for various reasons. Um, Carson, have you ever uh, transported a dog in your airplane?
1: You know, I haven't. Um, I I told my girlfriend about uh, Pilots and Paws and she lost it. She was like, as soon as we get an airplane, we need to do this. This is the coolest thing ever. Uh, And Pilots and Paws, um, they take, you know, uh, animals and shelters that are in need of transportation to people that are willing to adopt them. And again, kind of like Angel Flights, it's a really amazing program that helps out these animals. And I think it's something that people should take advantage of. Um, And also getting to spend time with those animals not that bad. (laughs) So, uh, have you ever flown with any animals or, or gotten a chance to fly for an organization like this?
0: Um, I have not flown with that organization, but I have flown with an animal and I was very nervous about it. The first time I flew with, uh, with my dog, Max and, uh, Maximus flown with us several times now flies with my girlfriend, flies with my son, and he's actually a really good good co-pilot uh he he gets in the airplane he doesn't take his muffs off because we want to protect his ears and he actually will jump in the airplane if i if i leave the door open he'll just go and run and jump in the airplane I'm like oh where are we going um we've taken max on several little trips before uh the first one he ever went to uh was actually to vegas so we took max to vegas and uh he had a blast unfortunately he did not win anything on the slot machines uh, but i wish he would have <laughs> And actually, I actually enough in
1: dog years yet. No, maybe
0: not. Yeah. He's only about two. So what's that? Pretty young. You're right.
1: Thank you so much for listening today to our first eight things to do after you get your private pilot license. Be sure to catch our next episode in our two part series of these first 15 things you should do after you get your private pilot license.
0: So if you'd like to reach out to either one of us, you can reach us at Twitter, or Instagram at Mr. Martini guy for me or at Carson underscore AV 17 for Carson.
1: As a wrap-up for the day, just remember, we're here to guide you in your aviation journey, so fly safe and enjoy the ride.
0: Thanks so much, everybody. Have a
1: good one. See ya.